0: Welcome into the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this on a Sunday night, October 17th. I'm Doug Kazarian. Nearly a historic Sunday night in the betting world. We'll get into all that coming up. Obviously, the baseball playoffs are going on. So October's always slammed. We've had some eventful outcomes this weekend, but particularly today. In the NFL, we'll get into all that straight ahead as we welcome in Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN researcher extraordinaire and also contributor to ESPN.com's chalk section. Now, Mackenzie, a lot of times you have a bunch of data from a betting perspective, and today it really applies because I know the public did well last week, but the books really took it on the chin today. Yeah, if you look at the
1: three most one-sided ticket counts of the week, the Chiefs, 91% of the tickets on them. They covered against Washington. The Rams had 87% of the tickets on them. Against the Giants, they covered easily. And then the Cowboys, 84% of the tickets on them. They didn't cover so easily, but they still got it done at the window for the public, meaning a tough day for the books today.
0: I tweeted this during the Steelers Sunday night game because my understanding, it was a bloodbath, and I asked him how bad it was and what would happen if the Steelers covered and I asked an odds maker of this a sports book director and this is when the Steelers were at 14 nothing maybe it was 14 7 at that point in the second half quote it's already bad that would just make it one for the ages and Seahawks stormed back in the second half wild game wonky officiating which is normal uh, you know I don't hate to be that guy but you know let's face it it's been pretty uh, up and down with the officiating in this sport it's just so difficult but the Steelers almost got the cover Devin Bush recovered the fumble, started running the wrong way, but I think it was just to get out of traffic and maybe. And then Tomlin, you know, he went conservative, just loved the field goal, but sometimes teams go for it. I don't know, at least a mill clock, who knows. But uh, Steelers win by three, so the books are saved a little bit on some parlays and some straight wagers, but obviously the teasers get there, the money line parlays get there. And basically, what was it, 8-2 in the 1-4 p.m. games by the – by the uh, favorites, well, they're eight and five ATS on the week. But
1: if you break that down even further, at one o'clock, the one o'clock slate, every single favorite covered seven and zero against the spread in the one o'clock uh, window, right there. So, wow. if you had just parlayed all those together, you'd uh, you'd have a pretty nice day right there.
0: So, yeah, it was obviously the Eagles got there Thursday night, Sunday morning, the dog won outright, the Jags, and then the Seahawks won at night. So that Seahawks was kind of big, and then obviously the Eagles, but. But one and four pms, so it was eight and two, and one of those two favorites that didn't cover, it was it was the Browns against the Cardinals, and a lot of the public was on the Cardinals, so that was almost like nine out of ten games went the public's way. In that Arizona game, that was kind
1: of interesting too, because you don't normally see these teams with five and zero records getting points right there. In fact, since twenty fifteen. They were the 17 4 no or better to close as a betting underdog. And those teams now six and one outright in that span. So that usually when these teams that are undefeated get doubted as underdogs, they've been covering a lot recently in that scenario. That was I didn't really like this card very much today. That was one of the few bets I did have. I bet on Arizona as soon as I heard that both Brown's offensive tackles were out. That game also had some interesting movement in the total. It opened at 54. It closed at 48 and a half. There was a lot of wind in that forecast in that game, and it landed on 51. So if you got a number early in the week and you took the under, you got it. If you took the over late in the week, you got it. 37 points in the first half, only finishes with 51. But Arizona gets the win, and they remain the only undefeated team in the NFL.
0: I'm mad at myself for that game. It didn't pass the smell test, to your point, once the, the offense alignment, and then Chubb out. And it just was like, you know, now the Kingsbury thing was important for me because I think he's the play caller. Like, I think that was significant. Um, but I just was like, you know, this, this is a... Baker Mayfield's kind of a weak link. I mean, he's good. And that team, he fits well for that team because it's, it's led by its defense and its rushing attack. But I don't know. I'm mad at myself for that one. Um, that, was a, that was a bad pick.
1: And it feels oh, like every my. time I'm watching the Browns, Baker Mayfield is getting a, looks like a season ending shoulder injury. And then all of a <laughs> sudden he's back in the game a little bit later. I'm not sure what to think of Baker with Odell Beckham in the lineup. I mean, I like Odell Beckham, I think he's a very good player, but Baker's stats with Beckham and without Beckham, they're a stark contrast with him being better without Odell on the field. In his career, he's got 32 touchdowns, 28 picks when Odell plays, 22 touchdowns, four picks without him. This year, he's got a 79% completion percentage when Beckham's on the field, 59% without. They're just, the Cleveland's a very weird team to figure out this year.
0: Yeah, sometimes when you feed the puppy, which is give the something that's asking for attention and, and gets what it wants, it makes matters worse, right? And that's something uh, you learn in the hard way over the years in all facets of life. Now, Arizona remains undefeated, only team undefeated overall. But Dallas is the only team that's undefeated against the spread. Epic fourth quarter and overtime as the Cowboys improved to 6-0 and against the spread. Mike McCarthy, just a genius, just a genius playing playing chess when everyone's playing checkers, right? Outsmarts Mc- Be- Belichick, gets the pick six with digs instead of the field goal that he foolishly attempted in my eyes just because it really didn't do a whole lot. It gave the ball back to New England. You could have got a first down and then obviously chewed more clock. But then we saw three touchdowns after that. So a wild finish where Dallas gets the cover. The public was all about the Dallas side. It was very pros versus Joes. And the Cowboys get there in just remarkable fashion.
1: Yeah, and I feel bad for under-betters in that game. That over-under was 50, mm. 50 and a half. It looked like it was going to be pretty good. And then all of a sudden that digs pick six happens, and that game flies over the total not too long after that. Uh, yeah. But like you said, though, I'm, I'm curious where McCarthy learned his analytics. I think you have to go for it on that fourth and one. If you get it, you're a first down and a field goal away from basically winning the game because Mac Jones is not going to come back with 20 seconds left on the clock. As we saw at the end of the game, when he called timeout with what, 23, 24 seconds left before they kicked the, the field goal at the end. So I don't know what M- M- McCarthy is thinking there, but uh, it came through for Dallas betters. Covering the three and a half, they're now six and zero against the spread. The last team to start six and zero against the spread was the Chiefs a couple years ago in 2018. They started seven and zero against the spread. And one other gambling thing I think is interesting with this game too is uh, Trayvon Diggs entered the week eight to one to be defensive player of the year. He's now got six straight games with a pick to start the year, tying the longest streak in NFL history to begin a year. Seven picks, a couple pick sixes. Diggs is going to be remain one of the favorites for defensive player of the year going forward.
0: I mean, the amount of picks he has, that's a season's worth, okay? just Let's just give some people some context because it's not exactly uh, fresh in everyone's mind how many interceptions people typically have who lead the league, right? Yeah, but i I'm so mad because two weeks ago, somebody told me to, to bet him, and I was like, all right, I'm going to need 50-1 to because corners rarely win this award. It's usually pass rushers, and then he was 20-1. to one. I'm like, come on, he's going to come back to earth. Or if Even if he's this awesome, they're going to not throw to him, right? They're just going to let, let him be on one side of the field and go to the other. And then he gets a pick in back to back weeks again. It's just insane. And, and he was 20 to 1. I thought that was no value. Now it's 7 to 1 to your point, at least going into the weekend. So I'm annoyed at myself. But again, corners don't win this award. It was only a few weeks into the year. Um, I love me some futures and firing on, on big numbers. We all know that. But at some point, you got to draw the line. And to your point, if he
1: was that good, they probably would stop throwing at him. Like His PFF grade isn't all that great. Like He's having a good year, but the interceptions are definitely making it look like he's a great year. But as you always have to wonder with these types of voted-on awards is, what do the voters look at? And that interception number definitely stands out.
0: Well, when it comes to the territory of the Cowboys, too, right? They're playing great. They keep winning games. I think that helps, if not directly, indirectly, right? And the Cowboys' defensive turnaround – uh, Parsons is going to get tons of buzz for Defensive Rookie of the Year, and he's the sort of the quarterback of that defense. But Diggs is getting, you know, rightfully so. He's putting up the numbers. And he, turnovers are big, and obviously that pick six was huge in this Patriots game. So crazy game, uh, one of many crazy games. I thought the Vikings and Panthers were was especially crazy. I lost a bunch live betting the under there because Sam Darnold with no timeouts. What was it, fourth and 20? Down the middle, seam pass, and then another one on the left side, just remarkable, stupid sequence of events that led to that comeback to force overtime. And then the Vikings get there in OT with a touchdown.
1: Yeah, Darnold, 17 for 41, but then, and that final stretch in regulation, he looked like uh, every bit the player that, people, that the Jets thought when they were drafting him a couple years ago. Mike Zimber, another coach who was too conservative, passing up a 54-yard field goal that would have basically iced the game for a punt, wasn't a great situation. But I think that the reward of getting three points there is worth more than the risk of losing the 35 yards and giving Carolina better field position. Minnesota has just been a strange team this year. All their games They've had the some company. field goal
0: issues, though. That,
1: that is true. But, I mean, they're used to these games coming down to the wire with their field goals. Four of their first six games have come down to a field goal in the final seconds of regulation. Week one, they forced overtime against Cincinnati. Then they missed the game winner against the Cardinals. so Cardinals are still undefeated. They hit the game winner against the Lions, and then they missed this week. So the, every Vikings game seems to come right down to the wire, no matter who they're playing.
0: Survivor, no hairy situations like we've had the last few weeks. Rams in a blowout. Colts in a blowout. Those were the two main ones. Even I saw some Chiefs get some uh, get some action. Steelers got a little bit as well. That was uh, obviously a hairy situation. Chiefs get the cover, finally. So now they're 4-13 and their last 17. There's something off, man. I mean, Mahomes has more picks. He's forcing things. I, I didn't mean to say that like, hey, I'm just splitting the atom here and and realizing something's off with the Chiefs. I real, I I concede that we all know this. I'm just it's just I'm still dumbfounded, right? Because this is a back-to-back AFC champ, MVP type player at quarterback and I'm just still kind of dumbfounded, but they're 3 and 3. They have a couple winnable games with the Titans and Giants coming up. But it was it, they had to they had to work to get there for the double digit win today.
1: Yeah, People talk about the Chiefs, like the turnovers are the issue with the Chiefs as much as the defense. They have 14 turnovers in six games this year, most in the NFL. At least the defense showed up a little bit in the second half, shut down Washington in the second half, didn't allow a point. They also kind of threw the ball shorter and and got the ball out quicker in the second half. Maybe they found something there with Mahomes. Mahomes' stats, though, are very interesting. Second in total QBR, first in passing touchdowns, third in passing yards, but he's got nine turnovers in the six games, and only Trevor Lawrence has more. So I'm not quite sure what to think of this Chiefs team. As for Washington, they're 1-5 against the spread now, which is the worst mark in the NFL. So Washington had a lot of hype entering this year, and they've definitely failed to live up to that.
0: Yeah, I touched on it. It was really what Sal Palantonio said last year before the playoff game with the Bucs, that the Washington defense was actually not as strong and stout as everyone wanted to make it out to be. Their numbers were skewed by the weak quarterbacks they were playing within their division. So they played three opponents, total of six times, and you're looking at DiNucci instead of Dak, right? You're looking at Carson Wentz, the worst version of him, and then Daniel Jones had some growing pains. So they were getting the best or the worst version of everyone, so it made them skew the numbers, and then Brady carves them up, and then this year they've been certainly leaky. So this is not... This amazing defense, although they obviously have some talent on the pass rush, and uh, no surprise that they're one in five. Obviously, with the injury to Fitzpatrick, Heineke just too uh, too much of a gambler with the ball, and obviously uh, the weapons aren't there. So you mentioned uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jags get the outright win, so they're in the win column. Houston, and them have won. Detroit, zero and six. I think wins will come. I said that a lot when I was giving out my Bengals play. Because I was on Cincy minus three and a half. That was essentially my best bet for Sports Center that we did a couple times. But uh, Packers continue. What are they? Eleven and three straight up and ATS under Rodgers in Chicago. Yeah, Rogers, I mean, he he said it during the game that he owns Chicago, and the stats
1: definitely backed that up. Like you said, eleven and three ATS at Soldier Field, twenty and seven overall against the Bears against the spread, twenty-two and five straight up. It's covered five straight meetings. And Green Bay has covered five straight games since that opening thirty-eight to three loss. So I guess Green Bay might be back. They're five and one against the spread this year.
0: And it wasn't just Rogers. I think Favre had a ridiculous record against the Bears as well. I mean, I'm sure he had good success against any team, but just to have that run, and, and the division rivals got to be painful for Bears fans. Hats off to the Raiders. Tumultuous couple weeks here. Their coach steps down. A lot of hoopla away from the field. They go into Denver and pretty emphatic win. A couple plays really swung the game. These long passes by Carr. And, I mean, Defender could have knocked a couple of these away. But at the end, the Broncos are just too vanilla on offense. And their defense is not as dominant as it looked the first three weeks against such weak competition. So nice win for the Raiders to sort of stay in the mix. Uh, Vegas improves to 4-2, and two, tied with the Chargers atop the division. But uh, that was a nice win by the Raiders. I was impressed because the line started steaming up. It's, it got to 5, 5.5. People didn't want to trust the Raiders. after the John Gruden move.
1: People weren't sure how to look at that. But you look at both teams today that lost their coaches. Arizona covered. The Raiders covered. So last two seasons, teams that have – these midseason coaching changes. They're 4 0 against the spread the last two years. So maybe there's something to that, though. Obviously, that sample size is very, very small. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, though, doesn't cover for the third straight start. Wow. 3 <laughs> 0 to start the year, 0 3 in his last three. It's the first time he's ever failed to cover in three straight games. But the good news is that. We're going to get back to what our, what the best Teddy Bridgewater stat is, which is Teddy Bridgewater as an underdog, because Denver's been favored in every game this year. Next week, they're at Cleveland. The early spread on that is plus five right now. Teddy Bridgewater 18-2 and two against the spread as a road underdog, though we'll see with Cleveland's injuries. I assume Baker Mayfield's going to play and they'll remain an underdog, but that's a line that I've already jumped on for next week, because I've, I will blindly bet Teddy Bridgewater is a road underdog until
0: proven otherwise. And they don't have totals yet, right? Because that feels like an under if it's anywhere in the mid-40s.
1: I did not see a total, but uh, I can take a look. But uh, no, it doesn't look like it's up yet.
0: Yeah, they don't put them out this early. So, interesting game there. Nice response. And I mentioned that the Chargers 4-2. A lot of hype coming into that one. That was sort of the marquee game of the early slate, and it was all Ravens. And as the Ravens were pounding them, I just get get annoyed at myself. You know, Chargers looked great, but sometimes – You know, they leave it on the field. I mean, the Chargers got crushed, but I still love Brandon Staley
1: coaching aggressively, trying to coach Mm -hmm. to win. Went for a fourth and one in his own territory down 18 in the second half. A lot of he got some criticism for that, especially from the announcers. But again, you play to win. You don't play to lose a close game. So I'm fine with them going for that. Ravens got back on the track on the ground running for 187 yards. Their 44th 100-yard game in their last 45 games after falling short last week.
0: Yeah, last week snapped the streak.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would have bet. I would have bet. Laid a pretty heavy chalk last week on them to continue that streak after what happened the week before. But that game was too close to call last week. So I guess they had better, bigger things to worry about than uh, extending that record.
0: Yeah, I was joking on Twitter like maybe they can get a 15 yard penalty and then get more rushing yards because they were right inside the five. I was thinking the same so, thing. So maybe back it up. God, it's just hard handicapping the NFL. You have to pick those spots. And I hated this card. You, you mentioned you didn't like the card. I mean, look, we had nine total road favorites. A couple games stood out. We got there, we lost a couple. Um, but won a few more than we lost. So I did okay in like pick them leagues and things like that. But just a really tricky, you know, you're so conditioned to take points, but it's like bad teams at home, right? Against good teams like the Bears are okay. They're catching four and a half, got up to six. So just at first, you're like, eh, I mean, Lions plus three and a half against the Bengals. Yeah, you know, there's just like, it was some sticky situations. But road teams continue to take care of business, right? I mean, what's the overall count now with road teams?
1: Nine and four against the spread this week. Also, Jeez. nine and four straight up. 54 oh. and 39 against the spread on the season. That's 58%. And they're 50 and 43 straight up road teams are. So, If the, in fact, if the Bills win tomorrow night, the 51 wins, if they win, would be the most road wins through six weeks we've ever had in the Super Bowl era. So, road, home field advantage is completely dead this year. And the road team's uh, success this year helps prove that.
0: Okay. So Monday night, you mentioned it is line. I saw some sixes uh, earlier. So Bill's obviously the big win in primetime at Arrowhead last Sunday night in primetime. Again, also on the road. This is a big one because I mentioned it going into the game at Arrowhead. They had the third easiest schedule, according to FBI remaining, obviously getting that win and removing that from the schedule, a game at Arrowhead helps the schedule difficulty. So, the dangled carrot is there. They're not going to mess around. I don't think they're, you know, on Monday Night Football. They're not going to. Now the Titans could obviously beat them, but I don't think it's going to be because the Bills are flat or or just not focused. I think they're on a mission this year and they know what's at stake.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can stand in front of this Bills train right now. And maybe if that line goes through seven, get seven and a half somehow, but I don't really see that happening. To me, this game is a Bills or a pass. Tennessee's getting some guys back, which would be nice. It looks like Julio Jones and A.J. Brown both might play in this game, so Tannehill might have his full complement of weapons. I don't think I'm going to bet side on that, though. Uh, one, one prop, A couple of props I'm looking at are uh, Derek Henry over his receiving yards. He hit that mark in the first four games. Didn't have a target last week against Jacksonville, but – Again, it's Jacksonville, and with Jeremy McDickles banged up as the receiving back, I think Henry might get a little bit of use in the passing game. They might be trailing, get trying to manufacture him some touches. 13.5 is a pretty low number, so I kind of like that. The other props I'm looking at are just stuff with the Bills' longest play, maybe under on Josh Allen completions, over on longest receptions for Emmanuel Sanders or Stephon Diggs, maybe over on Josh Allen's longest pass. The Titans have been extremely vulnerable to the deep ball this year. They have the second most completions allowed of at least 25 air yards, despite playing one fewer game than pretty much every other team in the NFL. They're an average completion percentage, but a high yards per attempt. I think this could be a game where Josh Allen doesn't complete a lot of passes, but the comp- passes he completes go for big plays and, and, the, and the Bills kind of win that way. So that's kind of the way I would play that game, but I don't really have a strong lean toward the side or the total. That was quite the breakdown. Good
0: job by you.
1: Well, I don't uh, Matt, normally have uh, these picks on no, awesome. Monday night. You always ask me for picks on Monday night. I figured I'd come <laughs> a little bit more prepared this time.
0: <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. So uh, I imagine David Purdom, not imagine. I know David Purdom is doing a write-up for ESPN.com just to the extent of the damage. But it's nice to get the back-to-back wins for the public in weeks five and six. WNBA Finals had a awesome finish tonight. The Sky take care of business. In four games on their home court. They ended the game, I believe, on a 13 nothing run to win by five. So kind of a collapse or a comeback or both. But the Mercury just missed a couple bunnies, in and out shots, and the sky just chipped away all game. And they actually covered the four and a half with late free throws. And, you know, I think Griner attempted a three in the final seconds too. So that ended. Dodgers were up 2 nothing. Then it was 2-2. They were up 4-2 and then blew that and then lost in the ninth inning. Back-to-back walk-off wins for the Braves. So they're headed to L.A. Atlanta up 2-0 in this best-of-seven NLCS. So a little disappointing for the Dodgers fan here, but I, I, it comes with the territory. Uh, Braves are tough, and they've got some strong pitching, obviously, in the opener with Max Fried. But obviously uh, Scherzer didn't have it tonight. He said he had a little bit of a dead arm. We'll see what the Dodgers can respond. And the bats were waking up, but they're going to need a little bit more offense, too. Anything else I'm missing from the weekend? I know we had Saturday as well, but, I mean, there's just so much to recap. The crazy ending with Georgia and Kentucky, Wildcats calling timeouts uh, with one second, two seconds, whatever it was, to get that touchdown inside the number. But it still stayed under.
1: I just want to add that it's a rough uh, basketball season for uh, Phoenix. coming Runner-up in the NBA <laughs> with the Suns, runner-up in the WNBA with the Mercury. Good seasons for both, but got to be frustrating for Phoenix sports fans. One other thing for this past weekend, I want to bring up too is I just want to give Jacksonville a little shout out. Ending the twenty game outright losing streak, oh. beating the Dolphins. Dolphins one and sorry, Dolphins are two and four against the spread this year, but they have the worst cover margin in the NFL. But Jacksonville finally gets off the Schneid at uh, nine thirty in the morning, starting the day off with a one chaotic game ending twenty three to twenty. Ending the get day with another chaotic game and ending twenty three to twenty with the Seahawks and the Steelers. And then uh, a couple quick lines I want to bring up for next week. That popped well out on
0: that. That's nice symmetry there.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That, that was going to be my line off the top, but then you teed me up on the. Oh, on the I apologize. It's, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, two uh, interesting lines for next week. Two big lines for next week. Arizona laying 17 to Houston. That's the mm-hmm. most points Arizona has been favored by in a game since 1970. So that's pretty interesting there. And then also Detroit and the Rams face off the Matthew Stafford revenge game in L.A. this week. That line is 14 and a half right now. Matthew Stafford never favored by more than 10 points so he's never been favored by more than 10 points until he faces the detroit lions so i found that pretty interesting
0: for next week so a couple cool notes to uh leave you with for next week's games so you think it's the stafford revenge game and not the Goff revenge game
1: <laughs> well i'm sure Goff is the one that dan angrier. campbell
0: calling out his quarterback what did you make of that yeah and and he's got to play better
1: i well <laughs> Detroit's got to do a lot of things better than what they've been doing, but quarterback play is definitely part of it. I kind of feel bad. We 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 talked about how. Dan Campbell, we we didn't have a whole lot of faith in Dan Campbell entering the year, but he's actually been a pretty aggressive coach analytically. I like him. He's been making, you know, like his in-game moves aren't as bad as a lot of people kind of thought they were based on, you know, the you can't always read a book by its cover, I guess, when it comes to Dan Campbell, but they still need to get a win. They were plus 275 to be the last winless team, which they clinched when Jacksonville won this week. So next week, they're probably not going to get the win either against the Rams.
0: Wow. They're the only winless team right now. I, I didn't really realize that because I'm so used to teams that don't cover as well. I forget, you know, I, I kind of get it all mixed up sometimes. Um, You're also not used to, what we, to the winning games. Yeah, it's what we thought, though. We, we thought it'd be the Lions or the Jags or the maybe Jets. the Texans, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Jets are. I probably have the Jets a little bit higher than most. Remember, I did overrated underrated. I said the Jets were underrated. Oh, I'll probably um, be going
1: back to the Jets well next week against New England. I can't lay <laughs> six and a half or seven with the Patriots. I, I'm hoping it's seven, but I'm seeing six and a half right now. But I'm not laying any big numbers with New
0: England uh, the way they like to play. And that'll be in Foxborough as well. All right, Mackenzie, great stuff as always. And uh, I know our people appreciate all the work you put in gathering all this data. And we'll be back at it this week, Monday morning. We'll have a podcast preview in the Monday Nighter and then back on the show and the regular podcast all throughout the week. <music> Bald Men on Campus, a new ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.